Now on Documentary on News Talk, the story of how trad indie band Keela traversed almost two full years of COVID-19 restrictions within the live music sector. This is Keela, Suez Shias, in and out of lockdown. It's January 2022. Keela are on stage at the National Stadium, rehearsing for their show, Keela and Friends. So as part of Tradfest on the 28th of January, that's Friday, we'll be playing this gig with a whole bunch of our friends. It's going to be called Keela Lecord, of course. Each year at Christmas, the band holds Fela Keela at the stadium. Changing COVID-19 restrictions were making it unlikely that the gig would happen. But a timely approach from the Temple Bar Trad Festival meant the gig could be performed as part of Tradfest 2022. So we're to uh, Ronan O'Snoddy, singer, Ross O'Snoddy, mandolin, D. Armstrong, fiddle, Senan Brennan earned guitar, Brian Hogan, bass guitar, Dave Hingerty earned a drummy, Jamie Mann earned a peepee, and this mission, Colin O'Snoddy earned fiddle. It's going to be the band's first performance to an audience, unrestricted by COVID-19 rules, in almost two years. In this documentary, we chat to members of the band, as well as those close to them, to gain insights into their creative lives during lockdown and the challenges presented by COVID-19 across the live music sector. I kind of went into hibernation, as did the rest of the band. For the first time in my life, I had a chance to have a stop, a rest and a think. This deadline was quickly approaching where this New Year's Eve gig was going to happen one way or the other. And none of them were earning a living anymore. I found it very, very sad, very moving. These interviews took place in the days and weeks leading up to the annual Keela concert, as the Omicron variant raged and so did uncertainty around how and even if the gig would take place. Ticket sales aren't doing great because um, every I think an awful lot of people are afraid of buying tickets. An awful lot of people are afraid of um, a lot of people in, in closed spaces. The capacity is huge, but you know, depending on restrictions, it's the boxing stadium. You could fit uh, 1,500, I think. It's a it's a tough it's a tough thing. How do you get people to be confident again that they're not going to get ill? At the moment, the Omicron or Omicron, whatever it's called, is the one that um, is the variant that seems to not be uh, uh, creating too much illness. So if that's the case, then uh, maybe, maybe we're rocking, you know? We joined flute player Colm on the drive from Bray to Dawkey to pick up his brother, lead singer Ronan. There was a bus stuck here actually a while back, a double-decker bus. We're, we've hit Dawkey where Ronan's doing a lesson, I'm just going to ring him where he is. So. Yeah, perfect. Can you make sure you're going to get him cool now, mate? Yeah, right? just, so just find him with him short. Yeah, cool. All right. I'm Ronan O'Snuddy. I'm playing in the band Keela since I was a young fella and I'm still playing in the band Keela. I play the bar on, I write songs, sing them, I play the guitar as well, and I teach a little bit of music. My name is Dee Armstrong, I play fiddle with Keela. Tommy Anish, Marvanishtora Keela, so I'm Ross O'Snuddy, I play with Keela, a whole pile of instruments, and um, I'm presently managing the band.
In March 2020, the band were doing a residency in the Irish Cultural Centre in Paris. They weren't long back from a stint in the US and a wider tour of the States and Canada was on the cards. Keela showcased in New Orleans in January at Folk Alliance in New Orleans, which is kind of this big international folk festival. And then it goes on to the wee hours and the, the night with showcases in bedrooms. It's a very bizarre kind of setup. Quiva Niregon was the band's manager in 2020. Anyway, they showcased on the Culture Ireland stage, which is a really big deal. And they were absolutely incredible. So we were kind of well-placed to go on a US tour and a Canadian tour. And they haven't actually traveled in the US and Canada for quite a while. And we sort of, we, we had the legs or the bones of a decent US Canadian tour that was probably going to start maybe in 2021 in August. And we had bookings and, and then in March, they were going over to France. So we were in Paris. We were all in Paris, not all of us, I think uh, seven of us maybe, were in Paris and we were doing a residency in the Irish Centre there. They were kick-starting a St. Patrick's Festival tour. Uh, they were going from Paris to London to Dublin to Kilkenny and they had all these really big slots. We were hearing this stuff. Seven o'clock, good morning. 40 new cases of COVID-19. The pandemic was rising and we were having these discussions saying should we leave or should we stay you know should he stay or should he go now you know and on the thursday i'll never forget it i was in dublin they were in paris we could be forced to stay in france and it was like uh i suppose it did start caving in on us and we thought we're gonna get stranded here all the flights are gonna stop and i was hearing talk of Borders being shut. Thousand Irish people on holiday in Spain have been told to fly home by Thursday night or risk being stranded. I said, "Look, you've got to come home." So we we bailed, came home, and then we had to do homeschooling and everything for half a year. <laughs> From Kiltar to Moontar, in one, there you go, because the young had to be schooled. The Taoiseach has told people to stay in their homes for the next two weeks, except in a small number of circumstances. I just went. Oh, right. So that's it. That's it for the foreseeable future. And, and it's only going to get worse. And everyone's saying, oh, well, it probably won't be till, you know, probably won't be till next year. So it was a real case of going, OK. So and then in my head, you know, we were brought up by the sea. And um, I just went, when the sea is out, I'll, I'll build sandcastles. When the sea is in, I'll go swimming. So I kind of went into hibernation, as did the rest of the band. Everyone just went, right. Okay, <laughs> okay, see where we land. I'll see you at the, at the other end. See what I mean? Somebody getting stuck. There's a lorry after getting stuck. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> the lockdown was a... Ah, listen. For everybody, it's been great in one way for some people and really stupid and horrible for in other ways, you know. You know, it was a pain and also it was a, a gain, I suppose. Like, Lisbeth was able to work from home, so we got a lot of time together. Uh, the pain was I had to become a moon tower. I'm no moon tower, you know? And that was really hard. A lot of people just went into Gaga land and that was perfectly valid uh, because most of the time as a musician, you're exhaling, you know? You never have a time to inhale. So this was the great inhalation. It was absolutely amazing for, for the world, I thought. I think people thought it would just be really hard to not be gigging. It was a huge relief to not be gigging. I was delighted. I had not been gigging since I was 16 or something. I actually had weekends for the first time in my life. I really enjoyed having the time away from gigging for a while, actually. Um, 
I found it was very stressful maybe leading up to that time and it was really nice to be at home with my kids and we we all play music so we were all playing together then made a little studio and I recorded some music with my two of my sons and a couple of friends and we started playing old-timey tunes. I didn't think it'd go this far. I suppose we've had a few things in our lives. We've had SARS, we've had the swine flu, we've had the AIDS pandemic. So I didn't think it'd turn into what it's turned into, where the whole world is on red alert and pause. Work had ceased. Being told not to play was for the common good. Like, I got it. You know, you can't play, you're not allowed to play. That's okay. It was okay with me. To be honest with you, I thought the um, PUP was great. Sure, I was earning more in a PUP than I was playing gigs, to be honest with you. I have elderly parents, you know, and I didn't want to be making them sick, you know. I didn't want to be making myself sick. I didn't, I didn't, like, I, a couple of people who got it who were very sick. You know, you accept it. I miss playing. I miss playing. I, I missed um, meeting everybody. I suppose being a musician, uh, you, you adapt anyway, because if you're going from venue to venue, you're adapting. You, you become like an adaptable creature. It's like a chameleon. You dress yourself up per venue or you dress yourself up per, tree, per tune or you, you dress yourself up to accommodate people's humours or your own humour. So being a musician entails that, I suppose, you know. You can also leave for brief exercise, but only within two kilometres. No, honestly, I loved it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't miss the, the gigging that much. I really said, right, I've got this time. I, I'm here with my me, me wife, me two kids, and we're hanging out and we're going for walks. It was gorgeous and the weather was great. And at one o'clock, the three boys, me and my two fellas would go out playing soccer. I'd applied for, to, to do music for, uh, to do a book and I needed to do the music for it. So I spent time then uh, coming up with the music for that. As cases rose, venues remained indefinitely shut. But for lead singer Ronan, it was an opportunity to create. I was able to read a book or write a book, even write my own songs without having to hurry them up. So it was a very fruitful time for me. He recorded a solo album called Tagama, produced by musician and filmmaker Miles O'Reilly. He says lockdown offered him time to reflect on how lucky he has been in his life. And from that thought came a song called Tall Tallum. Uh, I had time to reflect on me, me life and all of that. There was a lot of time spent in the garden walking around. I believe in all sorts of things, whether they're made up or not. Like, I believe in angels and all sorts of things like that. It's funny, I'm going back into a time where I had a lot of time to think and I believe in prayer or I believe it has an effect and I suppose at the time I was talking to Miles or I was doing that song, I was thinking someone's done me a good turn and I don't know who that is. But somehow or other, geez, it could be Colin, I don't know who did me a good turn in the super consciousness or whatever you call it, you know? But I've been looked after in some way that I mightn't have deserved, but it's, yeah, so that's what I was reflecting on there. I don't think I would have come up with the, that point of view of being so grateful for having got out of however amount of scrapes unless I had so much 
off time, you know? So in that song, Tantalum, I don't know how to translate it, but however lucky I am. Um, yeah, the pandemic gave me that time to have those reflections. I mean, we're all lucky, but generally we've been so busy, we haven't had time to reflect on how lucky we are. You know what I mean? We are Keela, we have been Keela, and we are being Keela. This is Brian on the bass, D on the fiddle, Dave on the kit, Senan on the guitar, Rosa on the mandolin, Jamie on the pipes, Colm on the flute, and how are you? Right. on the barrel on. This is a tune called Cardinal Knowledge. We did some online gigs. They went well enough. It's obviously nicer playing to a live audience. But I mean, you get used to it. That's just the way it's been. With little or no signs that gig venues would reopen throughout 2020 and early 2021, the band were adamant to channel their creativity and keep gigging even if that had to be through online performances. We created a couple of gigs in a place in Kilcool, uh, Lockdown Live. And the first gig we did, it was, everybody was so tense and nervous. Was... And I remember seeing 20 of the most gifted, it was 15, 16 maybe, of the most gifted people be, between musicians and um, technical crew. And none of them were earning a living anymore. I found it very, very sad, very moving. And they were all in great form because this was an opportunity to do what they do best. All really good people and all really uh, working hard together and trying to create something. And it was everybody was trying to think, OK, what's the new thing? What's the, what do we, um, can we create a new venue out of nowhere? You know what I mean? It was very sad in a way to see everybody just dying to work. It was created out of nothing. Nobody was making any money. But it was also very... Uh, it's great to see uh, the, the youthful spark and everybody willing to dig in. The lockdown live experience gave the band a much-needed boost. Cuevany Riagon saw the potential to create more online gigs. Because I had so much energy from the whole work that I'd done on, on trying to get them to use in Canada and then I was determined that COVID would not break this. So while the band rested and we're to some extent pleased about the life on the road, I just kept going and I started to look at what could they do in lockdown? What were the opportunities that were open to them? Our manager at the time, she had a flat in Dublin next to the Liffey, one of the flats where, you know, one of the new flats down on by the Keys and she was um, she was locked in and she couldn't really move beyond you know her she'd go out maybe onto the Liffey it was very tough for her but she really did amazing work where everyone else had just gone to sleep really we the, the band had gone into hibernation she got us work where a whole host of other bands had no work at all Tom our sound man he said look we're going to do this thing we're going to turn the lock up where they have all their sound gear into a studio we'll get some guys in to do camera work and people just wanted to do something they were they were you know so there was all these people piling around everyone and masked up and everyone socially distancing as much as they could 
and we did this thing and our manager saw this and went, wow, okay, this could be done. Despite the fact that there was no audience, it was actually incredible. You know, I watched it at home and you could feel the, the music even in, in my own living room. So then I started looking at that and I realised that that was the only really way that we were, they were going to be able to play live. So to take a band like that off the road, you have to find a way to keep that momentum going, that, that creativity going. By December 2021, Quiva had taken a job offer and band member Rossa had jumped into the role of manager. The local live performance scheme was in place, an Arts Council fund to support the live music sector at the height of the restrictions. The band applied for funding and decided to produce a Facebook live show for New Year's Eve in the Glen Centre in Manor Hamilton so that viewers could ring in the new year with the band in real time. Organising it was um, it was a huge task, in all honesty, and there wasn't just the idea. You had to have your management form and you had to have your COVID plan in place. And so it was a breakdown of two days from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock every day, from 10 in the morning to 11 in the night. Uh, and then it was going around pricing it, pricing the uh, the live streaming, pricing the, the accommodation, pricing the sound equipment, pricing the venue, all the prices. And then they, they came back and they said, well, we have 11,000 less than you've, uh, than you've asked for. And I just went, oh my God, how are we going to do it for that? Because I thought the pricing. So I just have to chop here, everywhere and there and everywhere. Excel, if you don't have an Excel sheet, <laughs> you're not going to manage much. Keela came to us maybe a month before the event. Michal O'Donnell has a broadcast company called O-Media. The company had a history in broadcasting trad gigs online for the overseas market long before COVID-19. Omedia were an obvious fit for what Kilo wanted. At the time, the restrictions were changing, you know, the regulations around them were changing quite regularly. Initially, the plan was that there would be a limited audience in attendance at the Glen Centre, but quite quickly that it became apparent that for a number of reasons that wouldn't be feasible. That was, oh God, okay. Initially I thought we probably wouldn't be able to have an audience anyway because things were getting bad. But because we decided to do it later, we could. that was another reason we couldn't have an audience. Um, and it was just too much to handle anyway to have an audience to be trying to get people in uh, and uh, testing there and then. The likelihood was that the government was going to change the regulations and close things down, which they did. Um, and then obviously then you also had the numbers of musicians working in a smallish space. So the Glen Centre um, probably in normal times can cater for 100, 150 people. You can push back the seating, which is really useful. So we had the whole floor space to work with. There was 26 people altogether milling around. And that's, you know, if one person has it, everyone has it. So, you know, we had different dressing rooms in different areas, you know, so like it's OK, well, you're just, Tea and biscuits there, tea and biscuits there, and tea and biscuits up there. There was the crew area, brass area, and keela area. So there was a ton. There was just a pile of um, uh, organisation. Keela have even gone as far to use this opportunity to innovate in a way, because what they did just recently is they had one of the streams, and they've done many of them, where they added a full horn section to the band, which is amazing. So someone had to sit down and do arrangements for that. Music journalist and broadcaster Pat Carty has interviewed Keela many times over the years. Reminded me of uh, Alan Toussaint working with the band years ago, strangely enough. We're talking about eight Keela band members, eight members of a brass band accompanying them. 
technicians uh, and you know an extended production team it made for uh, you know a tricky enough uh, environment to work in but one which Keela in fairness to them they they assigned straight away a COVID officer who was really strict with everything. It was a really interesting gig to work in. Band members were going to find it really difficult to get together to play and rehearse. Yet, you know, this deadline was quickly approaching where this New Year's Eve gig was going to happen one way or the other. It was a challenge for everybody involved, but it was a really exciting time. The first time that the band, the brass band and Keela came together to actually play in the same room at the same time was the day before the gig itself on the 30th. When December 20th came about and that basically all public events had to have closed by eight o'clock, um, that caused a problem for us. We're in the middle of, uh, at the moment, the eight o'clock curfew. Um, where, every, where all bars, have, all licensed premises have to shut at 8 o'clock. So what they were doing was putting them on at 6 o'clock. We had always planned this as being a gig that would, you know, go from New Year's Eve into New Year's Day and that this ringing in the new year would happen at midnight. So we had to go and get special permission. The plan B was if we recorded this with a limited amount of people in attendance, have it completed before 8 o'clock, record it basically and have it play out as a show in the quarter to 11 to quarter past midnight slot. That would have meant that we were creating a video without any, you know, live interaction with the audience. What we decided on was to stick with what we had planned, close the doors to the public, have the show going live at a quarter to 11. Everything about it was live. It fed into the energy. We had people commenting online. The comments were being read out by, by Russa and it just meant then that people really felt at home wherever you were watching around the world that you had some part to play in the game. We were bopping along to the music <laughs> as much as anybody online was. When you finish a tune it's like a big kind of wave hits, hits the uh, audience and it reverberates back. Especially when people are standing or dancing it seems to be a lot more there seems to be a lot more appreciation. But when they're not there, it's really awful. You're expecting this kind of echo coming back and it's like, nothing. I love playing music. Like I love music more than I love performing or crowds or, I don't, like I love playing music. So you could keep changing the furniture around me, but I'd be happy playing the music. Do you know what I mean? It is a bit weird when you finish a track that you, sometimes when you're playing, you're concentrating so hard you can forget where you are and it's only when you finish you go you look up or, or look out and finishing into an empty room is a bit strange and even those facebook gigs sometimes when you finish you're still in your room and you go oh that was, you can get a weird feeling of um not landing i remember i i, I was doing some gigs in pubs where 
it was just to a camera crew and I remember I was driving home, I remember ringing Liam O'Mainly had done a gig and he was doing one the night before or after me. I remember ringing him afterwards and going, how do you feel after that? I've got this weirdest feeling like I haven't landed. So I remember years ago in a, in a pub in Kerry in Dune Queen and I remember watching something that I thought was very beautiful. Someone sang and he sang on his own for ages. It was a huge song. But at the very end of the song, that everyone who was in the session sang the last line and cradled him. And I remember feeling oh, that's something really profound and beautiful that I've seen there. And sometimes when you finish something, you need people to receive you, to clap or say, yeah, hey, or well done, or we've been there. When you do it online, nobody's there to receive you at the end, so you feel like you haven't arrived somehow. You can float a bit. So um, gradually I've realised that, yes, you do need a crowd <laughs> when you're playing music. And, and even if I'm going back on myself, um, maybe I notice things after the fact. It's, it, I suppose, you see, there was a few things that did happen because everything went onto screens. Everyone plugged in their phones, learned how to do Zoom concerts and stuff. So for the first while, we kept ourselves in touch. I did a load of Facebook concerts and all of that, and everyone was at it. So if I answer the question and say, it was great, it wasn't great, but you could make greatness out of it. And I'd say even for a young band, it could have given them more time to write more or record or, you know, sometimes when you're on the path of gigging or a musician, it's like being on an escalator. Everything's happening so quick. You haven't got a chance to breathe. So hopefully most people took a chance to breathe and enjoy it because I don't know, in a life, you don't actually need for much. We, you know, we don't need to eat as much as we do. We don't need to do, you know, we're just actually having fun in life. We're doing way more than we actually need. So, I don't know, there's good and bad to it. I think the effect that the lockdown and the whole situation would have on, on both young bands, um, you know, we're talking about bands that wouldn't be, say, as established maybe as Keela, and also the audience themselves. We, we, we're standing here in Whelan's, and Whelan's could make a claim as a, as a central spot in the, not only the, the Dublin music scene, but the Irish music scene. And it's a, lot of, it's a place where a lot of young bands get their first proper gig, their first try, and, you know, that hasn't been here for the last two years. And also with the audience as well, you know, that, that this has been something that's missing. From my own experience, what I was doing was that I was maybe doing two or three gigs in, a week before this, you know, that I'd be reviewing them, going to see them, uh, talking to the bands afterwards. And that was obviously all gone. But for the bands themselves, it's all very well playing in a garage. But you only, I think you only learn how to do it when you're in front of a crowd. You have to learn how to perform and see if your songs are any good because people will tell you pretty quickly if they're not if you're in front of an audience and because that has been missing it's that vital step and I feel you know bands like to a certain extent you could say that bands like Keela um, although this was no doubt a hard experience for them were slightly cushioned because they did have an audience they could call on when they were doing streams like that that's not to say it was easy for them or anything like that but for young bands that vital step is, is gone uh, has been gone it's it's something that the audience and musicians, it's, it's been a huge blow. We were just at a point from running Live St. Luke's, which is 400 seated, that if somewhere ever came up that might be like 150, 200 standing, then we'd have to consider it. And it came up and we went for it and we got it. Joe Kelly is one half of the Cork-based live music specialists known as The Good Room. In late 2019, he and his business partner, Ed O'Leary, noticed an opening for a smaller venue to support emerging acts in the city. 
So they took over the Kino, an old art house cinema in the city centre. While there was an appetite for the venue, their venture was short-lived, in part due to the prolonged and indefinite COVID restrictions that were in place in 2020. You know, there was good points and bad, but, um, you know, it was a great little venue. So we really only started in September uh, 2019. And, you know, you look back over the first six months and there was some great stuff there, but then lockdown came. We had a theatre licence. We were very lucky, so we were deemed differently to a bar. But when it came out, it was like 50 indoors. We actually did 45. I think we had 14 tables. But weirdly, we learned a lot in that people were really interested in going to gigs. It was great in the sense that we did table service, which was interesting and people liked it. But, you know, in saying that, it was it was just trying to make and do. Like, to be fair, when you have to make that decision, it was like we were in January... 2020 and we were looking forward and we spoke to someone that we know and he had been speaking to people in England and they said it's going to be October and we thought no way but equally we were like we could be right and he was right it was more or less October you know for ages went on before you could actually open properly uh you know that it was worth your while opening indoor properly because you couldn't actually during the summer it was all outdoor you know and uh, I suppose we just realised we were paying for an expensive warehouse for 10 months if we were to just sit there and hold on to it. So we just said, you know, cut your losses and get out. I'd say a lot of people have fallen by the wayside, not only as musicians, but also as uh, technicians. I, I think the music industry has probably suffered an awful lot. Perhaps I'm wrong, and maybe there'll be this enormous uh, explosion in creativity post post-pandemic, um, uh, who knows, you know. It's a precarious enough um, lifestyle anyway because you're only going from gig to gig, a bit, a bit like journalism in a way, unless you have a contract. It, you're, you're going from gig to gig and you're really not sure where the gig is coming from and you're, you're hoping the gig gets better. You're hoping that the 100 quid gig becomes a 150 quid gig, you know, but you, 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 you cherish the 30 pound gig because... You know, if you don't do the thirty-pound gig, the hundred-pound gig might be. You know, you're. It's a. And as a young person, oh, you're grabbing any gig you could. We were grabbing any gig. You know, art exhibitions, funerals, weddings, whatever we could get our hands on. I think for some bands it must have been devastating. I think it must have been that uh, it must have been really hard for them to get to a position where, just about to release an album and then bang, hey. Here's the pandemic. So what do we do? There's no gigs, you can't tour around. Scott, I can't seem to get this groove on the barrel on, even though I'm doing the same thing. When the band was formed in the 1980s, their musical peers all seemed to be on a quest to become the next U2. Hila stayed true to their roots and made a decision to sing in Irish. It seems to uh, register more or resonate more when we sing in Irish and that's but there was a choice it was like you know everyone's doing it in English well why why not do it in Irish and when we got to do what we were doing you know in isolation where everyone in the city you know were singing were singing in English. 
That was really where the draw was. Sing in English and you'll become the next U2. Uh, and that's what everyone was trying to do. We were brought up speaking it. My dad was president of Conor Nagoelga and he was in Conor Nagoelga and it seemed, you know, when my, him and my mum were having Irish, it was her who said, look, let's bring them up speaking Irish. So it was very strict at home. So this is what my, my folks were kind of part of the revivalist um, movement. And there was lots of them in the 50s. Conor Nagoelga was huge and there was branches all over the country. The secondary school we went to, that's kind of doubled in size since we were there and maybe even tripled. There's there's a thousand people in the environs of Clóis and Clóis Dísigán, all talking Irish all day. Now that's more than the Iron Islands put together. Y you see what I mean? But you wouldn't associate Stillorgan with, <laughs> you know, the, uh, an Irish language community. And I've practiced it loads of different ways, like. I find when I'm singing it, you know, this pedaling like this, it's it's kind of fun. The other ways, uh, yeah, yeah. it's more work orientated. <laughs> so the name Keela, what does it mean, and how did it come about? I wasn't in the band at the time, so as far as I know, as far as I know, so this is the story goes. Ross will be able to tell you exactly to the minute. We were called Cuckullin or Satanta, and. The guitarist was there saying, that's just awful. The lads were in town busking. There was a guy from, I'll probably get this from France, I think, maybe Brittany. So when we were busking, some French guy said, look, we'll meet you up in this certain pub. What was it? And, he's, and he said, I'll record this and I'll see if I can get you some gigs over in, in Brittany. Did the session, he recorded us. He asked what the name of the band was. Ronan looked at the bar. Then I just said, Keela. I'm presuming he saw a bottle of tequila and just left the tit out because we didn't have a name. So whenever someone asked me a question, I had to come up with something. So I just made it up on the spot. And I suppose you make up your mythology afterwards. I was told by a Hare Krishna that it means flame or inspiration in Sanskrit. Someone else said that that wasn't true. It means wedge in Finnish, bloated testicles in, um, in Czech and uh, in in Polish, it's probably related. <laughs> we went to play the gig there, and then we got the paper the next day, and it had a uh, it had a our you know our name written on it. And I was going, I wonder what it says. It says Kila, blah blah blah. So I put that into Google Translate, and it said syphilis the first time. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's fun though. Just seven days before the national stadium gig, the government announced an easing of some restrictions for the hospitality sector, which meant the gig could be performed in front of an audience. There is part of the uh, the Trad Festival here in Dublin. They are playing at the national stadium. That's one of those six o'clock gigs. A kind of thing like that is something to look forward to. And it's it, there'll be a glow coming off people coming out of that and thinking, oh, we can get this back. It'll remind people what we've lost, I think. And no better band than Keela to do it. It's a couple of hours to showtime at the National Stadium. There's no alcohol tonight, for example, so there are restrictions. The, there are masks everywhere. There's a COVID officer. Um, everybody's still worried. It's only the end of January. The restrictions went down, was it a week ago? 6am in the morning. Very curious time to go down. So we're, we're not quite there yet. But it's nice... Um, that the that background stuff has gone to a large extent, yeah. So we're we're all good. 
and it'll be nice to have a nice crowd in and it's probably better to be an early gig rather than a late gig so all good there were no changes to to it to be honest with you myself and Ronan did a photo shoot for the Irish Times um, and other other things for the launch of it maybe two or three weeks ago in the snow at Topford Car Park it was great but really cold and um, I was very unsure about this going ahead I, I didn't I didn't see it the guy who's in running uh, the Trad Fest was saying, no, it's going ahead, we're selling tickets, we're putting out the advertising, we're going for it, we're being confident. And I was thinking, personally, I would have, you know, it was up to me, I would have said, okay, let's knock it on the head. The figures are 20,000 every day. But maybe they spoke to somebody in the Department of Health who said that the Omicron wasn't as infectious, or not as infectious, but as dangerous, perhaps. So, um, um, so it's doing well. I think the tickets are good, and tickets last night were good. So, so happy days. So a fair play to Tradfest. They um, they knew what they were doing and they went for it. And I'm delighted. Sure, there's a huge crew on stage tonight with us. It's going to be fantastic. With 752,000 people. Sure, that's grand. The, the stadium holds more, but you can blacken out. The, the seats to the side are kind of no good in a way because you don't see the whole thing. So um, it'll feel very strange to be playing. Uh, this kind of concert like we played concerts before obviously six months ago during the summer but this will feel strange because the restrictions seem to be done so who knows fingers crossed Keela need an audience they, they react to the audience the audience is as important in a Keela show as the band are it's, they're, they're a very generous band in that respect you know when you go to a Keela gig you feel like you're part of the show Lads, it's two years, you've been stuck inside, you can have a bit of buzz about you, for God's sake. Let's go! 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 let us go and, uh, you know, it's very odd. Uh, so this is brilliant. Back to the uh, National Stadium. So, I'm going to be too secure to let you
Here's Ilan Piper James Mahon talking about how it felt performing to a live audience unrestricted by COVID rules for the first time in two years. I think it's, it's really great that we're back on track. We're heading back on track and I'm delighted, you know, that, um, that this wasn't cancelled and put off to another day because that just felt great tonight. You know, with gigs getting cancelled and all, it becomes this kind of almost like a hamster wheel of not knowing. So what there was a phase when like, you know, the, the, the virus would raise up and then go, drop down and then stuff would get cancelled. So it became, you know, we had a, a couple of shows lined up and then things were starting to get canceled. So what happened was I wouldn't actually accept if there was a performance happening until the day it was happening. I wouldn't get my hopes up. So even today it was strange because on the lead up to it, I wasn't really getting my hopes up. But then today when it was really happening, then, the, you know, I got this surge of energy and focus really like really focused on giving it socks because we haven't had the opportunity to do it in ages and it's something that i noticed with the first gig that we did to a to a crowd when restrictions eased a while ago that everyone played so brilliantly because we just haven't we've been deprived of it you know the the covid stuff deprived us of being able to have that conversation together that art, musical conversation together and we did, we certainly caught up tonight. Anyway, Jesus, it was great. <laughs> I think when uh, restrictions came in and, and artists were forced to stop performing uh, for, for people's safety, which is cool, like we kind of shut off from society and then people went into, you know, reclusive mode or whatever. I certainly did. I locked the door, didn't talk to anyone for ages. And on a performance level, um, I enjoyed getting back out. Definitely, but some people found it nerve-wracking. I know that I know that some musicians actually found it really rattly to to get back out and play in front of a crowd. Anyway, long story short, I'm happy to be back playing. Uh, I think people are certainly finding it good for their heads to get out and, and hear music and uh, embrace art again. I haven't seen Keila play in the National Stadium since 2019. I haven't really seen Keela very much because we haven't been able to meet in person because we've been locked down. So it was kind of emotional actually coming in tonight. It was, for me, it was kind of a little bit magical, you know, normality. People can't help but dance and when they hear Keela play and COVID can't stop that. Lead singer Ronan may have been playing since his teens, but now he's back, he's seeing his lifelong career afresh. I suppose I just love it all a bit more or I'm a bit more appreciative of the opportunity and I think everyone is. Everyone realises now that things were called off. I think we took a lot for granted and so I, I love it a bit more. I'm a bit more considerate of other people's love of it and of the moment, you know. It's April 2022. Almost three months have passed since the band's gig at the National Stadium. It's business as usual for Keela now. The band has recently returned from concert dates in Europe and Dubai and has even finished out their postponed residency at the Irish Cultural Centre in Paris. Current manager Rossa says it's onwards and upwards for Keela. It was mad being back suddenly. OK, this is where we left off. We were basically fulfilling the pre-pandemic commitments 
but we also added an extra gig onto it. So we did three gigs on that Friday, which was lovely. It was amazing being back kind of doing nutty stuff like that. <laughs> Life is back with a bang and uh, I'm trying to, I'm now managing the band and I'm also trying to finish, uh, um, do a radio play. I was trying to finish a book, a kid's book that I've managed to get out. Um, we've got um, just a whole pile of, whole pile of stuff and we're going over to America so there's all that visa stuff that you have to do. And then we've got a, a recording that we've, we, that Brian has been working on over lockdown. We might add the brass to that. We're thinking, well, maybe just the time to add the brass in, you know. And but just everything's just wild busy anyway. And I was saying this to me, dad, and my dad said, sure, this is brilliant, that's life, it's excellent. Good luck, it's, you know, it's great. And I was like, I suppose he's right really, isn't it? You know, this is what we were doing. Suez Shias, In and Out of Lockdown, was produced and edited by Noel Sweeney. Presenter and assistant producer was Elio Byrne. Live performances recorded by Tom Skerritt. This documentary was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland as part of the Sound and Vision Scheme.